Hey, welcome to the Urban Crofters podcast. We're a church family based in Roth, Cardiff, seeking to connect, create, and transform the community around us, kingdom style. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Urban Crofters, and welcome to this week's talk. I'm Abby, and I'm one of the student leaders at Urban Crofters, and it's a real honour for me to be sharing with you today. I'm really excited for what God wants to say. And so for those of you who've been following with us so far, we've been looking through the story of Joseph in a series. And this is one of the last parts of the story and is actually talking about Jacob, which is Joseph's father. And so the title of my talk today is Growing in Prophetic Maturity. And I'm going to be looking at Genesis chapter 49, which is the chapter where Jacob blesses his sons. So just before we start, I'd love to pray. Father God, thank you so much for your words. I thank you that is living and active and that is alive today. And I thank you that even in the Old Testament, though sometimes we may think it's irrelevant to our lives, there is so much goodness to be found and so much of your word that you're hoping to speak to us. And so today we just choose to open our hearts to receive your word and ask you to speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So before I go into my talk, I would just love to read the chapter. So I'm reading Genesis chapter 49 and it's verses 1 to 28. Jacob blesses his sons. Then Jacob called for his sons and said, gather round so that I can tell you what will happen to you in the days to come. Assemble and listen, sons of Jacob. Listen to your father Israel. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength. Excelling in honour, excelling in power. Turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel, for you went up onto your father's bed, onto my couch, and defiled it. Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are weapons of violence. Let me not enter their council. Let me not join their assembly, for they have killed men in their anger and hamstrung oxen as they pleased. Cursed be their anger so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Judah, your brothers will praise you. Your hand will be on the neck of the enemies. Your father's sons will bow down to you. You are a lion's cub, O Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness, who dares to rouse him? The sceptre will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs and the obedience of the nations is his. He will tether his donkey to a vine, his colt to the choicest branch. He will wash his garments in wine, his robes in the blood of grapes. His eyes will be darker than wine, his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun will live by the seashore and become a haven for ships. His border will extend towards Sidon. Issachar is a scrawny donkey lying down between two saddlebags. When he sees how good is his resting place and how pleasant is his land, he will bend his shoulder to the burden and submit to forced labour. Dan will provide justice for his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan will be a serpent by the roadside, a viper along the path that bites the horse's heels so that its rider tumbles backwards. I look for your deliverance, O Lord. Gad will be attacked by a band of raiders but he will attack them at their heels. Asher's food will be rich. He'll provide delicacies fit for a king. 
Naphtali is a doe-set fruit that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility, but his bow remained steady. His strong arm stayed supple because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the almighty who blesses you. With blessings of the heavens above, blessings of the deep that lies below, blessings of the breast and the womb, your father's blessings are greater than the blessings of the ancient mountains, than the bounty of the age-old hills. Let all these rest on the head of Joseph, on the brow of the prince among his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning he devours the prey, in the evening he divides the plunder. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them when he blessed them, giving each the blessing appropriate to him. And so I'd just like to talk a little bit about the life of Jacob, because we focus a lot on Joseph, but you may not know too much about Jacob, and Jacob is Joseph's father. And the word Jacob actually means grasps the heel. It means supplanter and it means deceiver. So those are not necessarily positive things. And actually, some of the stories that we read about Jacob's life are not very positive. So Jacob was a twin and his brother was Esau. And Esau was born first, but Jacob was born grasping onto his heel. And there's so much in the story about how Jacob wants his brother's birthright and he wants that blessing and that inheritance. And so what he does is he actually, first of all, he tricks his brother into giving him his birthright in exchange for a bowl of stew, which doesn't sound like a very fair swap to me. And he also then went and deceived his father to receive the blessing. And he disguised himself as his brother Esau and he deceived his father to get the inheritance and the blessing that belonged to Esau. And so that is quite a big part of the story of Jacob. And he was known as the deceiver. He then, because he did that, he tricked his brother. He then fled because he was afraid of what his brother would do to him. And he found a relative called Laban and he worked for him because he really wanted to marry one of his daughters, Rachel. And so he worked for him for seven years and then Laban deceived Jacob and he gave him the wrong daughter in marriage and he ended up marrying Leah. And then Jacob realised that he'd been deceived and so he agreed to work another seven years to get Rachel. And there's a lot in the Bible about the laws of kind of sowing and reaping and I find it very interesting how Jacob, who is known as a deceiver and who deceived his father, was then himself deceived. And because of that, he had to work an extra seven years in order to get the wife that he wanted. And I wonder what happened during those seven years and how that might have been important in growing Jacob's prophetic maturity. And it's natural that Jacob would have been really disappointed when he found out that he had the wrong wife. He would have been disheartened and quite naturally he could have just left and said, that's it, I've had enough, I don't trust you Laban, I'm going. But obviously he saw something very valuable in Rachel that he agreed to work for another seven years. And he had to humble himself and to keep going for seven more years. And I really wonder what God did in his heart during that time and how that might have been important for who he becomes later on in the story.
it's also very interesting how Jacob didn't fully learn his lesson because he then went and it says that he deceived Laban because he fled from him with his wives and everything he left. And it was fine. God had told him to go, but he never told Laban. He actually deceived him and then he left. So throughout this story of Jacob, there's so much in his life where he is battling with this deception and this part of his character that's really bringing him down and that isn't godly. But there's also an incredible story and it's in, uh, I think it's Genesis chapter 32, where God wrestles with Jacob. And I feel like this is a real defining moment in terms of growing Jacob's maturity. So I think those 14 years of him serving and working, I think that that was important. And I think God was probably teaching him a lot in that time about humility. But I also believe that this encounter that Jacob has with God in Genesis 32 is a critical part of growing his prophetic maturity and just him as a person. And the part that really stands out to me that I'd like to read is verse 28 of chapter 32. And it says, then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. And the meaning of the name Israel is struggles with God. And I just think that is incredible that during this encounter with God, which there are many theories about whether Jacob was wrestling with God or an angel or what actually happened there. But nonetheless, that was an encounter with God. And I believe that was a physical encounter with God, a physical representation of God. And during that time, God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And I think that that is a very powerful thing that happened. And I don't think it's just the name. I think the name is very important, but the name carries a lot of meaning. And I feel like it's the meaning and the identity behind the name that is so important in this story. And it was almost like Jacob had a choice at this point. He could be Jacob. He could be Jacob who deceived and lies and cheats, or he could step into his new identity and he can be Israel. Israel, the father of nations, the one who wrestled with God. And I just think that is amazing. And I think maybe today God wants to change your name. Perhaps he has a purpose over your life that you don't believe in or you're not carrying the character for. Or perhaps your identity is not where it should be in terms of that calling that God has for you. But actually God can change your name in an instant encounter and you can become the person that you need to be for that calling. And that is something that I've kind of been going through myself at the moment. And so I can really relate to this story with Jacob. And God has kind of, I've basically had an encounter with God where he told me some things about my calling and what he wants me to do. And it was just so amazing. And during that time, God really said to me, you don't really get to choose this. Like, there's no arguments here. And I realised that I had kind of been arguing with God and in a way I'd been wrestling with God in my heart about this calling that he had for me. And I had been feeling perhaps a bit how Jacob felt where I know that I'm not fully the person that God needs me to be to live in this calling. And I was just thinking, God, I just feel like I'm not good enough for this. And I don't know if you've seen what I've done or who I am, but I think you've got the wrong person. And just not feeling that I could live up to the calling that he has over me. But it was like in that moment, he kind of, I had an encounter with him where he just marked me and said, no, this is 
the calling that I've put over your life. And it doesn't matter what you believe about yourself, but it's what I believe about you that is important. And so it doesn't matter all these things that Jacob did. Obviously, there are consequences to the deception and it makes for a pretty interesting story to read. So I'm not saying that those things don't matter because, of course, they were important. But actually, there was transformation in that. And Jacob encountered the grace of God and he became Israel. And I just think that that is so important. And there's another part of this that really stands out to me in terms of this chapter of 49, which is about the power of words. And I don't think we realise today in terms of the importance of the blessing and of cursing. And even the fact that Jacob was so extreme in deceiving people meant he really realised how valuable this blessing and this birthright and this inheritance was. And as his father prayed for him and spoke words over him, those words carried so much power and so much weight. And it's the same thing that we see here in Genesis 49, where Jacob is speaking blessing over his sons. And those words carry a huge power. And I feel like we've kind of lost that value of words and realising the power behind our words. And I think it's a crucial part of growing in prophetic maturity is knowing the power of the words that we're speaking and so i just want to read from james chapter three and some of you may know that this know this chapter and it's quite poignant in its language um so i just want to read from james chapter three verse six the tongue also is a fire a world of evil among the parts of the body it corrupts the whole person sets the whole course of his life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell and like when we hear that obviously that language is so strong and might even sound a bit extreme to you but actually i feel like we've lost that concept of how powerful words are and i think that this verse in james is a very poignant reminder of the power of our words because when we are speaking we have the power to build someone up or to tear them down and crush them. And so when we are giving a prophetic word, your word carries that power behind it. It carries that power of life. And when you prophesy over somebody, that carries a purpose and a story that's gonna unfold in their life that you may not even see. And it carries the weight of the words of God, which is pretty incredible. And it means that in our day-to-day -day lives, whether it is through prophecy or just the way that we speak, our language is so important and I feel like that's something that we really need to think about. And when I read this chapter in 49, it talks about Jacob giving them a blessing and giving to each the blessing appropriate to them. Yet when I read it, it doesn't necessarily sound like all of it was blessing. And in fact, we could probably say that some of it is cursing. So for example, um, well, when Jacob talks about Reuben, he says, you will no longer excel. And so that, to me, sounds like a curse. Um, and it's important to realise that actually there is a place for that. And we do serve an enemy who deserves to be cursed. And there's a really good example in Matthew. And it's uh, Matthew chapter... 21 and it's verses 18 to 22 where jesus curses the fig tree and it withers and dies and i just feel like that is such an incredible physical representation of the power of words because often we speak 
and we don't see words and we don't always necessarily see the impact that our words can have but when we read this it's just such a physical representation of words in action and I feel like we really need to kind of grasp that and understand that when we speak those are, that is the power that our words have and that is the power that our words can do and I feel like that is something that we see throughout the bible and to think that God created the world by speaking it was his words that formed everything that we see and know today and it was his words who formed us and I just think that that is amazing and just sometimes we just need to dwell on that the fact that when God spoke the world was created and that is the power of words that we have and that power is living in us and we use it every single day and we really need to be aware of that and another thing that God kind of spoke to me about this chapter was that his promises never fail and when it talks in Genesis 49 it's verses 8 to 12 and it's talking about Judah and I believe that there's a lot in there that is prophesying the coming of Jesus for example where it says the sceptre will not depart from Judah until he comes to whom it belongs and I believe that that person is Jesus that was who that belonged to and this is the old testament this is genesis yeah i feel like it's speaking to us about jesus coming and another example of this is if we go to right to the beginning of genesis in chapter three um if i could just find the right page in genesis chapter three verse 15 it says i'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and you will strike his heel and i believe that that is prophesying about how jesus would come from a woman from a human that he would be born and yet he would defeat the enemy and that is in genesis chapter 3 the very beginning of the bible and so much we can look at the old testament and think oh like how does this apply to me but actually even the old testament is about jesus and is about declaring him coming and it's amazing because we get to see through the new testament how all of those prophecies are fulfilled and how the life of jesus fulfills the words of god and so there's a beautiful verse in isaiah chapter 55 and it's verse 11 and it says so is the word that goes out from my mouth it will not return to me empty but will accomplish what i desire and achieve the purpose for which i sent it so every word that comes from god comes with a purpose and that word will not die until that purpose is fulfilled and i just think that that is an incredible promise from god and it's something that we really need to grasp, particularly when we are thinking about the prophetic and we're thinking about the power of words and how those words can influence. But also knowing that we can hold on to the promise that God will achieve the purpose that that word is set out for. And so I just wanted to give us a bit of a challenge for today and for after the service, hopefully we might have a bit of time where we can discuss this in groups. But I want to ask you today, does God want to give you a new name? And so we see in this story an incredible transformation where Jacob becomes Israel. And there are many times in the Bible where God renames people. And it's like a commissioning 
that he gives them and it's where he's saying this is who you were but this is who you are now this is how you saw yourself this is how i see you this is how men saw you but this is how who they're going to see you as from now on and i just think that that's an amazing transformation and i'm just wondering perhaps that's something god wants to do in each of our lives maybe he wants to give us a new name and so i would love maybe in our discussion groups if we have time for this to spend a bit of time asking god god do you want me to have a new name and i don't mean okay you need to go and change your birth certificate because you are now going to be called this i just mean in terms of your identity and is there a name that god is placing over your life that is who he wants you to be that is part of the calling that you have and I was hoping that in our groups we might be able to spend a bit of time listening to God for each other and seeing what new names God wants to give each other. And that would be a great way for us to practice in our prophecy and practice hearing God's voice, since this is about growing in the prophetic, but also to have that identity. And I think when you know the name of God over your life and what he is calling you to be, it's like you can live from that place of purpose. And we see just in this story an incredible transformation where Jacob was a deceiver and yet he became Israel who prophesied about the coming of Jesus. And if that's not an amazing transformation, I don't know what is. And so I just feel like God wants to do that in us. He wants to do that in our hearts and he just wants to rename us and show us who he has called us to be. And perhaps God has already done this for you. Perhaps he has already given you a new name. But maybe he wants to remind you of that today, remind you of who he says you are and remind you of your purpose. And if we have time after we've done that, I've also got some discussion questions that we can think about and reflect on. So one of those is, do you know God's calling over your life in this season and how do you feel about it? The next question is, what lessons do you think Jacob learned in his 14 years of serving? Do you think that you may be in a similar stage of life? Question three, in what ways can we practically be more aware of the power of our words? How can we use our words for good and blessing in this city? And question four, are there any promises of God that you are holding onto to be fulfilled? And how can we encourage each other in this? So I hope you enjoyed this short, well, 20-ish minutes. I don't know if that counts as short or not. But this talk um, from Genesis and about the power of words and about growing in prophetic maturity. And I just hope that you have really good discussions about this. And I'd just love to pray to finish. So Father God, I thank you so much for your words. I thank you for the promises that you've spoken over our life. And I thank you that we can hold on to that. And I just want to pray for each person listening, Lord God, that you would speak over them a new name that you would show them who they are, Father God, and what they need to do to be walking in line with your purpose and to step out in the calling that you have over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Have a good week and I'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Urban Crofters podcast. To connect with more of who we are and what we do, visit our website at urbancrofters.co.uk or follow us on socials at urban underscore crofters.